Shrooms on the ballot and also heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine. Oregon decriminalizes drugs and creates a program for magic mushroom therapies. Lizzie Acker, reporter for The Oregonian, tells us more. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome, listeners. So glad you're here with us. Today, we're talking about some more new state drug laws stemming from the recent election. And this time, we're uh, visiting Oregon, not not in reality, just uh, metaphorically speaking, we're visiting Oregon. But uh, in particular, we'll be talking about some new measures that were passed, 109 and 110, which will do a couple things. They emphasize criminal liability for certain illicit substances, but also starting a uh, kind of a new business of uh, therapy options. And so before we get into all of that, we need to welcome our guest, Lizzie Acker. She's a reporter for The Oregonian. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. So I know that uh, you primarily wrote about Measure 109. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to cover these together because I think they're pretty interesting. And so Oregon being the first state to do either one of these. And so I uh, wanted to to bring those up. But I wanted to start with uh, Measure 110. And so this one I found pretty interesting from the standpoint, it sort of de-emphasizes criminal charges below a certain level of possession. But there's more to it than that. So why don't we use that as our starting point, Lizzie, can you just give us a general flyby of Measure 110? Yeah, so Measure 110 will reduce misdemeanor drug possessions to non-criminal violations. So that would be like similar to a traffic offense. So if you have a small amount of certain street drugs, most drugs like heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, ecstasy, LSD, psilocybin, things like that, you'll get a ticket and a $100 fine, or you have the option of being screened for a substance abuse problem. You know, I found that really interesting. So when I was uh, uh, reading through Measure 110, you know, they talked about this uh, quantity of any given drug, so like a heroin, cocaine, methamphetamine, but there wasn't specifically like a measurable, so it wasn't in grams or, or however they measure drugs. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a drug right. aficionado, so I don't know, but uh, they, they said it was a usable quantity. Is there any like clarification that you've heard about on that? Because I could see that being a bone of contention with police trying to do their job. Right. I haven't heard of what that exact amount is, and I'm sure it differs from substance to substance. So that will probably be something that we'll get more clarification on. Uh, But yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting to me because, um, you know, above whatever that sort of gray quantity is, you know, you are still criminally liable. Below that, you know, it's like you said, it's it's a hundred dollar citation. But also, you know, it is reducing the penalties for larger quantities. So um, instead of making some of these larger quantities felony drug possession cases, they will be misdemeanors. That's great to know. And so also related, you know, uh, this didn't change the penalties or the criminal liability for manufacturing or selling of these particular substances, right? Right. As far as I can tell, it is about the possession and that's it. Excellent. So other features with 110, I understand that there's some uh, tax provisions, they're moving some money around and uh, they're trying to fund some clinic programs for rehab and trying to get people off uh, addicted substances. What did you hear about that in uh, Measure 110? So that is related to the revenue. You know, we, we currently in Oregon have legal cannabis. And so this measure funnels some of that tax revenue from the marijuana taxes into recovery. 
So I understand that there's going to be this tax revenue that gets uh, funneled into some of these clinics, but to the degree any one of these clinics runs short of revenue, is there an open door for general taxes to help fund these? Is there any word on that or is it too early to tell? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. No problem. These are all brand new. So first time in Oregon. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm no expert on all of them. I've been covering them and, uh, you know, these ballot measures are interesting because as we go further, we see how things shake out, kind of like our legal marijuana. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's transition to 109. So you wrote about this a little bit more yeah. frequently. And so mm-hmm. I, I've nicknamed this the magic mushroom measure. And so uh, this <laughs> one uh, creates basically a cottage industry of new therapies uh, out of, uh, you corrected me during our pregame, uh, psilocybin. Did I pronounce that correctly? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. That, that's the uh, the <laughs> chemical that's in some of these uh, measures. I'm not an expert on this, obviously. Great. But uh, so this creates uh, some therapy options for this. So why don't you give us just the the quick summary of that, and we'll, we'll get into some of the specifics. Yeah, so Measure 109 creates a framework for therapy for psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in quote-unquote magic mushrooms. Basically, it gives the Oregon Health Authority two years to create facilities and a licensing framework for therapists to create these places. They're physical places where people can go to get therapy with psilocybin. And it's very structured. So this isn't like cannabis at all in any way. It's like you will be going to these places. People will be screened before they have the treatment. The idea is they have a initial appointment, then they have the actual appointment where they have the therapy, and then they have a follow-up. And these licenses will be for therapists and also for people who, um, I'm not sure, I guess you grow mushrooms, right? Um, Right, Manufacture. I think the word they use is manufacture. Yeah. So manufacture and distribution, but the distribution will all be only in these facilities. Yeah. So this measure 109, uh, as compared to 110, specifically allows, if you're in the right clinical setting, you've met the Oregon uh, regulatory requirements that you can actually manufacture and distribute these products for right. for the use in therapies, correct? Now, what, what kind of uh, these therapies, they're for uh, mental health therapies, what kind of, uh, I guess, yeah. ailments are they designed or will be designed to help with? Well, proponents of psilocybin, and there's lots of studies out there that talk about this, They say that it helps with depression, anxiety, PTSD is a big one. The idea is, I believe, that it sort of has the ability to adjust your framework of thinking about traumatic events and things like that. So, But the interesting thing about the law is that it's not just, you don't have to be suffering from some sort of diagnosable mental health issue. You can have the experience if you pass the screening and you're over 21, it doesn't have to be like prescribed by a doctor, you know, how early in lots of places still, you know, cannabis is only legal if you have a card from a doctor who says you need it. As far as I can tell with measure 109, you don't have to have like a diagnosis. Gotcha. Gotcha. But you do have to be 21. You do have to be, well, that's good. So uh, 21 to order a beer and I guess uh, 21 to, uh, to partake <laughs> right. in some therapies. So what happens, uh, you, know, you mentioned the two-year period to get this regulatory system going. What happens if they don't get that done in two years? Does the law collapse upon itself or is there any additional, I guess, insights on, on that particular uh, element? That is a very good question that I do not know the answer to. <laughs> I don't know what will happen. I think they're hoping that uh, they get it together and create this, at least the system, and they have two years to do it. So 
Well, you know, one of the difficulties they had, I remember when Colorado and Washington were a couple of the pioneering states towards legalizing, at least at the state level, marijuana consumption, growth and uh, distribution. And so, you know, at that time when that happened, marijuana, and it is still today, a Schedule One substance uh, with the Drug Enforcement Agency. So forbidden by federal law everywhere right. in the country to, to do any of those things, grow, distribute, sell, buy, all of that. And so uh, similar, psilocybin, did I get that right again? Or did I get psilocybin? You're getting closer. Getting you're you're, you're going to get there. You know what? In like a year, it's going to be one of those things like cappuccino that everyone knows how to say. So. The- <laughs> There you go. There you go. But similarly, that that is also Schedule One a substance and also banned at the federal level. And so that was one of the challenges that these states had early on. And so, and I'm going to overly simplify this, but essentially what happened with that was there was a de-emphasized enforcement at the federal level via the Cole Memo, which said these are lower priorities, instructing uh, you know federal law enforcement agencies to prioritize other things at a higher level. And so it's kind of a, well, probably won't bust you for it, but no guarantees. And there's all these businesses, big businesses that are geared around that. And potentially, you know, the people that uh, participate in those businesses could face federal criminal charges. So is there any talk, I guess, at the local area in Oregon, anywhere about how do you get around some of these federal bans? Because there's no, you know, corresponding coal memo uh, for for, uh, magic mushrooms. Right. Well, I think um, I'm just looking, I looked to see what the vote yes on 109 campaign says about this because they have talked about it and they acknowledge that it'll still be illegal at the federal level. But the thing with cannabis, yes, we did have the coal memo, but really, I mean, these huge problems with the federal government never materialized. I don't think they have, not in Oregon, doesn't seem like they have in Washington or Colorado. And at this point, so many more states are following suit, you know? And what they say is, the direct quote is, we anticipate the federal government will be similarly flexible regarding Oregon's psilocybin therapy program. So that's their hope. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Lizzie. It It was great having you on. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like this show, please subscribe directly in your favorite podcasting app. It's free and no questions asked. Also, we'll cite our sources for this episode so you can read for yourself on LegalTalkNetwork.com. And a couple of quick hat tips here. Hat tip to Dan Flynn of LexBlog, NBC Los Angeles, Ballotpedia, and Noel Crombie from The Oregonian. And special thanks to my producer, Molly McDonough, and, of course, our LTN team for making us sound so groovy. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.